Thank you guys once again for joining the HQ News Podcast. Donnell Miller. Um, as you guys know, we've been interviewing various startups from around the country. Uh, we're highlighting underrepresented founders from across the country because we feel like that's important and we want to highlight their stories and tell you guys what's going on. So thank you guys for joining in. Today we have Portia Jimmy. She's uh, a great, awesome entrepreneur based in uh, Indiana. So you guys, here's a great story from someone that's in the Midwest that's doing some great things in the community. But uh, I'd like to turn it over to her to introduce herself and let her uh, let you guys learn a little bit of her background, where she's from, and also uh, the business that she runs currently. All righty. Hi, Ronnell. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I started or founded my company H&H in 2018 after I was going through some personal issues with my hair. It was actually starting to fall out. And um, as a result of that, I created this satin line baseball cap um, just to remedy my hair loss. And um, I am based in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I do manufacture the product here in the city by teaching young girls how to sew and then we create the product um, in the local community. Um, I'm originally from Gary, Indiana, um, which is still near and dear to my heart, so much so that we'll also be launching a production facility um, in Gary, Indiana in the next couple of months as well. So I'm super excited about that as well. Hmm. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, um... Thank you know. Thank you for letting the people know what you do. Um, for my first question, I really want to understand why do you think the purpose of sewing? I mean, we have so many different platforms where a lot of companies just outsource their um, their merchandise, but you're actually teaching young kids how to actually sew in the 21st century. So. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that that's important right now? Why do you think that that skill is a necessity? Um, I think just like you said, I think that is really important because for whatever reason, um, everything, all of our clothes and all the manufacturing for items that we wear, even um, our covers and sheets and, you know, um, anything uh, material like that is, manufacture overseas and I, I didn't understand why that was and still to this day I don't understand why that was and why sewing has been removed from school because when I was in school um, we did have an opportunity to take home economics where you could learn how to sew or learn, mm. learn how to cook and mm. maybe like my year my ninth grade year um, I started to notice that those programs were being removed from the school. So I didn't even get to participate in those programs. So H&H, mm. um, &H, this is really my way of bringing that program, those programs back into the school, starting with the sewing program. And I think it's just very important for um, children or, you know, teens to know how to sew because we can make our own clothes instead of, you know, getting it manufactured overseas and then having it, you know, buying it from the store. We can actually make those clothes in our local neighborhoods um, and, then make, and then, you know, ship them across the country, sell them across the country and build, you know, stores right here in our neighborhoods. 
So it's just taking all of that, that manufacturing that's been outsourced and bringing it back um, to the United States, particularly to our um, underserved communities. Awesome, awesome, I, I, I love it. <laughs> uh, as you know, I work with a lot of different kids. I'm actually working right now with the teen business camp. So mm -hmm. I find that very interesting that the, the US is transitioning and like entrepreneurs like you are bringing back more skills, right? Like, mm -hmm. as you said, we're outsourcing a lot of work because we get cheaper labor. Like let's, let's really be honest about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people in the US want to support, you don't find a lot of local brands, mm -hmm. let's say made in the USA, right? You see a lot of things say made in China, made in Bangladesh, like various places across the world. So to see that, that you're trying mm -hmm. to empower your local community to do the great things, right? The Midwest is where a lot of stuff was made. And we, mm -hmm in the US and you know the early between you know 1910 to you know about 1940 and then a lot of stuff changed you know industrial revolution got even more innovative and you know things have changed in our country so it's very interesting to hear about that so that's 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 why I wanted to start that with my first question so people I can just paint that in, into uh, perspective for people so for my next question uh, there's been a lot of you know, great growth with uh, black women founders across the country and, mm -hmm. you know, they're creating various jobs and leaving corporate America. Why, what has your journey been, if, you know, your past experience before you actually started your business? What, you know, what did that look like? And why did you actually want to start this business? Um, I got I got the idea to start a business just because I realized that I was spending a lot of my time working at a job that I was very unhappy with. And I realized that entrepreneurship could give me the, the freedom um, to do what I wanted to do with my time, but also just do what I wanted to do um, with my skill set as well. Um, the job that I had, it was just, um, it was just very restricting and it, it didn't give me any opportunity to really grow um, and to do things that I was passionate about. And so when I set out, I just wanted to um, just have a little bit more freedom and actually enjoy um, what I did. My first business was a credit repair business and that just came from me having bad credit and fixing my own credit. And that was before it was so many credit gurus and you can just go on Instagram <laughs> and find somebody to fix your credit. This is when I did that, it was back in ooh, um, a couple years ago, maybe like 2014, I got into fixing my credit um, and it wasn't as popular then. And it was a lot of, a lot of research, a lot of reading, but once you, once I got the information, once I read it and everything, it was easy to apply it. And I maybe fixed my credit um, in about maybe like two or three months. Like it took me what, 20 years to mess it up. And then it took me two or three months to fix it. And then I have, I didn't have to pay anything or, you know, just like fees to mail off letters and things like that. So I, it probably took me less than less than $30 to actually fix my credit versus paying somebody. And then it's like this ongoing thing. And 
to pay them to maintain it or to keep fixing it versus just learning all of these things yourself and fixing your credit. And then you really understand why it's important to maintain your credit and really um, utilize it to put yourself in a better position and not just buy all of these material things. And so that business, unfortunately, it, it just didn't work. <laughs> um, I wasn't as passionate about that business. So okay. when I went to start my next business, I knew that it had to be something that I was really passionate about. And going through the whole hair, uh, the hair loss situation, I was very, very passionate about hair care. And just from growing up and going to different base, uh, baseball games my grandfather he loved to take us to baseball games and then my great uh, my maternal grandmother she loved hats uh she loves church hats but i i never <laughs> was able to wear church hats to um, church because of you know i was too young <laughs> so um just having that love of hats and then particularly that love of baseball caps that's what inspired me to just combine that love of hats with that love of hair care. And then um, the working with the young girls as, as I built my business up, that aspect just naturally came into play when it was time for me to hire people to help me make the hats. I knew that I didn't have enough um, resources and enough um, orders coming in to hire adult women. So um, I decided to start a sewing program where I uh, taught the girls how to sew. And then I was able to pay them, you know, these young girls enough to help me make the hats. And it, it was not a lie. It's not a lie that I pay the girls, but it, it helps them. And it also teaches them a skill. Um, I mentor the girls as we learn. And then it, it's something that they can help. Uh, their households with. Great. That that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that definitely answers my answers my question. And you know your backstory on you know why and and the what and where you started. So thank you for sharing that information. For my next question, for being someone that has a business in the Midwest that's based there and you know like I said there was a lot of different industry that was focused there in America that supplied a lot of various products and services across the country mm -hmm. to where it is now where it's back growing you know through the different initiatives and things that uh, former President Obama did where do you think that the current state of economics is and Gary and in uh, Gary but also just Indiana and the Midwest as a whole is going because I see a lot of different investment that's going on also in Michigan. Where do you think that uh, the current state of, you know, su supporting, why do you think, you know, the Midwest is such a, such a great place for, you know, business owners and people that really just want to support their local community? Why do you, why do you think that is, but also where do you see it going in the next five years? Um, like you said, it was the heart of the manufacturing. So I'm still not sure how we got so far removed from um, that manufacturing um, industry. But I like it's coming back and it's coming back with businesses like mine and other businesses that 
produce their products in the United States. I have a lot of people when like when I first started my business, I first came out with my product, they were telling me, okay, you need to go to China and get these made. And it's just like, no, that, that makes no sense that I would, you know, take all of my time, and my resources and fly over to China when I can do that in my community. And I think it's going to take more businesses deciding, listen, it is hard. Yes, it is harder this way, but it's more effective. Like you make a bigger impact um, making these products right here in your community. And it, you know, you're going to need your community to buy the products from you. But if you're including them in the production of the product, they, they feel more obligated to actually shop with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of resources that's being, um, poured into underserved communities because we're all tired of it. We're tired of the poverty and the, the lack of resources and things like that. And in order to do something about it, we have to start businesses like this with products that's made in our local communities. Like we have to be the people that um, turn it around and bring these um, resources in because we can't keep depending on uh, the outside people or the government to come in and help us. Like in order to really um, get back to the manufacturing and where we started from, we're going to have to start thinking of different products that can be made here and just start, just, just bring it back. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Great point. I, I definitely agree with you, right? That there's been a shift in terms of mentality, I'm starting to see a little bit mm -hmm. people that they want better quality, but also they want to just support more local. We don't hear a lot of these different stories. You know, I think that's another thing why, like, you know, you're one of the first, one of the first articles that, you know, that I've, I've written about on our marketplace. We need more traction and I highlight these stories because a lot of people mm -hmm. just don't know. They're just, they're, given the cards that they have to work with that they're being dealt with, right? Right. So, right. And, go ahead. And they're doing what we've always been taught in business, but as an entrepreneur, you have to think outside the box. Um, so just like I was saying, when people were recommending that I go over to China, I had to be firm and stand my ground and say, no, I don't care how cheap it is over there. Um, I am, and I don't care how easy it is over there, I'm going to do this in my local community. And it's taken more, um, more resources. So I haven't had a chance to, you know, market, use that money to market to, uh, across the country or on the internet. But I've made an impact in my community amongst the girls that look like me. And that feels a lot better than to me than making a whole bunch of money very quickly. Now the money would help in um, growing the business, but if I had to, you know, get it produced somewhere else and make a whole lot of money, that doesn't, it doesn't resonate as much with me. It doesn't mean as much to me. Seeing these girls every day and working with them, watching them, you know, transform and start to believe in themselves and, you know, really come back to life. That means a lot more to me than making a bunch of money 
And I think as business owners, we have to realize what's more important. Yes, it's easy. Yes, it's probably more convenient to have it produced somewhere else where you're not doing all the hard work. But sometimes you need to, you need to go through all that. You need to, you know, get your hands dirty. You need to um, just think of a, a, an innovative way to do something, although it may take longer, although it may be harder, but you're making more of an impact in your local community. Hmm. That's great. I, I'm right there with you. I completely, completely agree that people need to empower the people that are around them. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer of that, right? Like, as you see, I have, I own a marketplace. I started that. It took me about two years. Mm-hmm. That right there is what I'm about. So, like, people need to understand that there's various people that look like them that are doing great things that, you know, a lot of times me growing up, and I don't know what you can attest to, but I can talk for myself that we didn't see a lot of people that looked like us that own and operated businesses that were chief financial officers that were chief mm-hmm. marketing officers people that were doing diversity and inclusion within companies so mm-hmm. you see a lot of these stories that are starting to come out now but then okay where's where do we get their stuff then also where can we hear information about them speaking about their stories and the things that they went through because their stories are very much different in America. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely agree, but I, I love like everything that you're saying. I love that you really are supporting your local community in Indianapolis, but you're thinking at a global scale. You very much importantly because from the first time we actually got connected, you reached out for something that didn't even include the type of business that you were in. Mm-hmm. You still like, we're like, Hey, let me, let me actually still try to, you know, speak to this brother about what's going on or how can I find a way to get connected and, you know, learn more about different, you know, black colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. So that right there, I thought that that was, you know, it was humble in a sense of what you were doing at the time, but also show that you, take very much initiative and you want to connect with people so I think that's very much important like a lot of people say a lot of different things that's good mm-hmm. but where are the people that are actually doing the work so that was why one thing I you know I wanted to help you out and uh see how we can support you with you know within our HBCU startups community right and it, it, it was great because we've been able to help each other and that's what it's really all about I think we get so caught up in competing with each other we forget that we're only going to succeed if we collaborate um i came across the african proverb that i just cannot stop thinking about you know if we want to go fast we can go alone we'll get there fast but it won't mean much but if we go together we'll go so much farther and um you know then we get into legacy we start uh, building our legacies and generational wealth when we come together but it's going to take us all, you know, doing things that we're not sure about. Like, we're not sure a lot of these things are going to work. Like, I wasn't sure how to build out a manufacturing facility because, like you said, I, I've, never seen a, um, I've never seen a manufacturing facility, especially one owned 
by black women or a black person, period. But as I got into, um, as I started to educate myself about manufacturing products, I came across like a lot of inspiration I drew from Madam C.J. Walker. So when I started researching her, really digging into her story, I was like, okay, so it's, I'm doing pretty much exactly what she was doing, just with a different product. And then I came across her mentor, Annie Malone, and I dug into her story and it, it was, it's just so inspiring. And then like they say, like it said, if you see it, you can believe it. So I've seen how, I see how successful Annie Malone and Madam CJ Walker was in their fields doing something that they didn't really know how to do, but deciding to still take that chance and seize that opportunity to, you know, take a risk. And that's what's given me a lot of <laughs> a lot of courage to actually keep pressing forward. And when I run into roadblocks, I don't see that as um, this is where it stops. It's just like, this is where I pivot. This is where I, I take a different route. This is where I seize another opportunity. This is when I collaborate with somebody else or another, uh, another organization. Like, just using my net, just building my network and then utilizing it to help myself and my business and help these girls. Because it's going to take more than me to help them. So making sure when I connect with people, they understand that you're not just helping me. You're not just helping H&H. Like you're helping these girls find their confidence, find their voice. And because the generation, this next generation, they're going to have to, you know, take the baton from us when we get burned out. But if we don't prepare them for that, we'll be set back just like we've been set back before. Great, great point. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. I I don't want to take too too much of your time. What would you say that you know? What are some updates that you you're working on that are inspiring? I definitely hear you speaking about this new production facility, mm -hmm. but also you know anything else you want to share with the people about your business, and then also where can they you know find you online? So social media contact information that you want to share. Just let the community know. Okay. Well, I'll definitely start with um, how we're getting the word out about H&H. Because like you said, it's not enough people um, talking about the business or the product. And I'm only one person. I can only do so much. I can only connect with so many people. Um, so what we're doing to get the word out is we are launching our affiliate program. So what that means is we'll be having affiliates go out and sell our satin line baseball caps and then our newest product, which is our satin line ski mask. Um, and the affiliates, they will be selling to, you know, customers B2C on social media, but they'll also be selling to organizations and corporations who like to use the product as corporate swag. And then the um, nonprofit organizations, they like to use the product as a specialty fundraiser item. So instead of like uh, schools and sports teams selling trash bags and popcorn, they can sell these customizable satin line products. 
Um, so our affiliate program will be launching, well, it's already launched, but it'll be officially launching next month. So we're super excited about that. And it's going to be a nationwide program. You can go onto the website, which is hhheadwear.com and sign up for the affiliate program or learn more about it. Um, we're also um, involved in some uh, local events here in Indianapolis and we'll be having some events in Gary as well. But one event that I'm super excited about is our partnership with the Crispus Attics Museum here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And our goal for that is to um, spread the word about that museum. It's a Black History Museum there inside the school and it's just been amazing. And we're gonna go in there um, and we're gonna do a exhibit to tribute um, Annie Malone and Madam C.J. Walker um, next month for Women's History Month. And also during that um, event, uh, during that exhibit showcase, we're gonna have different vendors there that's in the beauty industry. So you can learn how to, you know, you can learn how to be beautiful, but also to take care of your natural self. So, you know, makeup is fine, but if you don't know how to take care of your skin, you know, it, you're going to always need makeup. You're going to always feel some type of way if you don't want to have makeup. Makeup is an enhancement, but you also have to take care of your skin underneath that. Just like, you know, you're getting your nails done, like getting tips on your nails. That's an enhancement, but you also have to learn, know how to take care of your nails. So that's something that we're super excited about. That's another way uh, uh, for us to get the word out about H&H &H and about other businesses. Cause like I said, collaboration is really important to me, but also to have people, to get people into the museum because it's not, people don't go to the museum anymore. And it's a lot of information in the museums and it's a very safe place for us to have conversations about, um, you know, being black. So we want to, you know, get people excited about coming back, coming out to the museum again. And uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, we'll be pitching. We'll be pitching um, next. Well, we'll be pitching on the February 24th. It's in Indianapolis. It's through an organization called Pitch Feast. Um, but we will have a link set up if you want to view the pitch virtually, you'll be able to do that as well. So I think that covers everything that we have for the next month and uh, the next month. Further out, we have a few other events that we're still putting together. Um, we will be hosting a spelling bee in April for the um, kids in our community because that's another thing that kids don't really do anymore. They don't participate in spelling bees, um, which I think is very important because, you know, learning the importance of a word or learning what a word means that helps you with your reading comprehension so and that you know really gives you that love of um reading when you really can understand the words and use them and just you know keep learning new words and things like that um and if you want to connect with the business you can find us on facebook instagram and linkedin at headwear hair care and if you want to and you can purchase items 
on those three social media platforms, but then you can also purchase items on the website. Again, that is hhheadwear.com. And for any custom orders, it is a form on the website that you can fill out. But if you want, you can also submit an email to myself at orders at hhheadwear.com and we can get them custom orders all designed for you. Awesome. Thank, thank you for sharing that information with people. And that's, that's great. But you know, you brought up one thing and it is Black History Month. I got to do a mm -hmm. better job. But you brought up someone that was an historical figure in terms of an event you're going to do at a museum, mm -hmm. which was Crispus Attics. Yeah. My question to you, and if you don't know, like, it, it's fine, I'll go into it. But mm -hmm. who is Crispus Attis, actually? And why do you think that the museum was named after him? So the story that I've gotten is Crispus Attucks was one of the first people murdered um, during the Boston Massacre. I think that's what it's Correct. called now. So yeah, he was one of the first people to die um, in that massacre. And I think that was like the turn or yeah, into the Civil War. So American he Revolution. Oh yeah, there you go. So um he was a very important figure, but I don't I don't know too much more about him. Okay. No, you did you did great. I, I try okay. to engage people. We we have to learn more about our black history. Right. Yeah. We have all these great places and great things that are named after people, but who are actually these people and why were they honored in this way, in this fashion? Absolutely. Very important. We don't speak enough about it. So he was actually the first person that was killed in the Boston Massacre. Mm -hmm. So when they speak about revolution and they speak about how America was founded, mm -hmm. it was founded in the way on the hands of a black person. Hmm. So we don't, we're, we're, it, our history is so deep and it's covered up, but we were here before the American Revolution. We were here before America was actually founded as America. Mm -hmm. So we have to think about that. That's that's a whole deeper thing. That's a whole nother subject that we don't get get into. But there were black people here before America was founded in, in this land of, you know, there was 13 colonies starting first, but we were here. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and we were, yeah, we were a very, very important part of history. Um, in the museum, they have this very wonderful um, exhibition for George Washington Carver. And a lot of us just know him as the peanut man, even myself, like I just thought he, you know, worked with peanuts, but going into the museum, learning that he was a botanist. So, and he was a very, very wonderful botanist and knowing that he saved the South, like he's the reason that the South was able to save their soil and keep thriving because he went to the South and educated those farmers on how to take care of the land. So just knowing how much passion he had for what he did, like that's, that's something else that inspired me. So true. Mm -hmm. Also, um, 
you know, you're going into Carver and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, peanuts is a great thing that he's done. Like people love peanut butter. I love peanut butter. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but, yes. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate that. But he was also one of the first black students at Iowa State. So Iowa State, reason why I know this is Iowa State. So I went to North Carolina A&T. I don't, I don't share a lot sometimes, with, you know, with people in terms of my backstory, but I went to North Carolina A&T State University, which is a public land grant institution, historically black institution as well. Mm-hmm. You know, A&T, A&M is actually mm-hmm. how I started. So it's agriculture and mechanical. So it's very focused on agriculture engineering, but also mechanical engineering. And then business and all these other programs were integrated into the institution. Iowa State is actually a land grant institution where the federal government approved as well. So we have a partnership with our school with Iowa State. So I was fortunate enough with my university to go out there and visit the campus and talk about diversity and inclusion in Iowa, right? Iowa is majority white. Like it's mm-hmm. one of the states where it's very much white. And like the percentage of black students is like one to two percent if that mm-hmm. it's it's very very small but still great school they they grow a lot of their own food but yeah george washington carver a lot of people don't know he actually went to iowa state and he did a lot of great things at the university and you know that kind of sparked his interest in terms of his career starting there he did a lot of things on that campus but so yeah that's awesome i don't i don't want to go so much deep into the history but i wanted to, <laughs> i wanted to touch a little bit on that and like paint things in perspective for people so yeah, thank you, LaPortia. I, I appreciate your time. Definitely connect with me. You, you know, you have my information to connect me email. You see I'm very much frequent. I, I wish you success. I wish you more success in business and growth and also more media attention. You've actually, in terms of this here, you're the biggest article that's been read that, you know, that we've shared out going over 800 views now in terms wow. of, yeah, in terms of, you know, what, what we're writing. I'm trying to do a great more job in terms of writing more, but, mm-hmm. uh, one thing to note as well is I've given everyone permission now as vendors to write and access. So play with that on the back end when you have time and write some more stories and content to drive more traffic to your store. Mm-hmm. So I, I implore you to do that because sure you're on our marketplace sharing community. So there's a lot of people that are, that have read your story that, you know, that I've written, but give them bits and pieces on, you know, holistically when you can, it doesn't have to be a full, you know, five page essay about your business, but just bits and pieces to drive more traffic to your store and why people should support because this is why we have this platform. As you see, we're doing the podcast so people can grab this and go, mm-hmm. but uh, empower more people to, to support. And as you know, with our subscription basis, we're giving money back to historically black institutions to help them with their initiatives and things that they do in our, in our local communities as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You guys, uh, this is the HBCU News Podcast. My name is Ronnell Miller. As you know, this is our HBCU startup series where we highlight underrepresented founders from across the country. And we like to hear more about these great stories and things that they're doing in their community. So thank you guys. As you guys know, you can find HBCU News on your local podcast store. Uh, So your preferred platform, search HBCU News. I see you liking, I see you commenting, I see you sharing, but I need to see you subscribe, you guys. Support matters. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. Thank you, LaPorsche. I I definitely appreciate your time, and this was a great conversation today. Definitely put some fire on me. Uh, So have a great one. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.